0: the fear of learning to ride a bike. You've seen others do it, and you know you want to do the same. But the training wheels are safe. You know they're going to protect you from your fears. But there's this pull from within, a desire to step out by faith and remove those training wheels. Knowing that those very training wheels are barriers to your ultimate desire. Will you trust your Father who says, you can do this? I'm right beside you. You have nothing to fear. You remove the training wheels, your source of comfort and safety. You place your life into the hands of the Father. And there's still what what feels to be a tug of war between faith and safety. But then you decide to go all in, to by faith believe that what the Father says is true, so that you can write freely into the life Christ has called you into. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verse 16, and we'll read verses 16 through 24 to start this off. Uh, once again, Paul is writing, he's like, all right, Church of Corinth, Let's finish this. And and so uh, he says this in verse 16. He says, But thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him, we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he's my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. Now, here's what we see, uh, first and foremost, that is so encouraging. You know, you've got Paul who's, who's pleading with this church and, and, and he's writing ahead of time before he gets there. Uh, and, and, and he's pleading with them to, to, to finish this, this task to, to make good on their promise of, uh, the generous gift, the resources financially that they were committing to. And what's so awesome here is we see, uh, that not only is this, uh, placed on Paul's heart, but we see that that same desire is placed on Titus's heart. It says he's gone. He's coming to you of his own accord. Titus is like, Paul, let me go. I am excited. I am ready. I am willing. Send me to the church of Corinth. And, and, and and we're, and we see other individuals, don't we? There's, there's two other individuals and it doesn't name them. Right, and we try to figure out who are these two individuals. But what we read about them is, is man, they were very well known. I mean, one it says was famous uh, uh, throughout the that region for for preaching the gospel. And so uh, there's three of them, and and they're 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 trustworthy. Uh, they're they're known uh, by their obedience to the Lord, their faithfulness. Not only does Paul trust them, but it's actually the churches that have picked them, that have hand-selected them to go with this offering uh, and and to guard the resources of the Lord. And the very first thing that we see here, which is so encouraging, is whenever God places a calling, whether it's on your heart and life or, or on a church's, he will always unite other hearts to rally around the cause in order to pull it off. He knows who needs to be involved. He knows whose heart he needs to move in in order to pull it off. And so what the Lord does is, is one, he places uh, that same heart uh, in somebody else for that cause. And then the other thing he does is he unites those hearts around the cause right? So he gives us a unified desire to fulfill what God has called us to. And then he brings us together. People that, that maybe wouldn't know each other, wouldn't typically connect or talk to each other. They are brought together uh, in unity around this common good, this common cause that God is at work in. The other thing we see here that's really important for us to, to notice is the great lengths they go to to guard the integrity of the giving process, right? Paul goes to great lengths, right? To to make sure they have other individuals, other individuals who the, the churches trust who are a part of guarding those resources and ensuring that they are safeguarded, ensuring that they go to where they're supposed to go uh, to guard against any uh, false accusations that may occur. Uh, in fact, he talks about how he not only wants to honor the Lord in this process, but he wants to be honorable in the sight of man. Uh, In other words, uh, this process should not only, by how it's done uh, and and, and where it goes, should honor the Lord, but it should be able to be something that that people can look at and they go, man, there is integrity attached to this. You guys, that is so critical. Uh, Any type of incredible initiative or giving, uh, there should be integrity behind it, right? Uh, You should always be afraid when someone says, oh, just trust me. Or just, just have faith right? Like, no. When people ask me questions about this, I'm, I'm, I'm not like, are you kidding? Do you not see the campaign theme? Like, what, what's your problem? Like, no. I'm so encouraged. I'm like, you care. You should care. And we should care. I should care greatly that what is done brings honor and glory to the Lord, that it's done in a way that honors him with transparency. And so we see them modeling uh, this. And this is helpful for us to see because some of us I've experienced moments where we felt like, man, it wasn't honoring to the Lord. And and so he says, no, this is very, very important. And then he closes that section by saying, listen, now's the time to demonstrate this love that you claim to have, that I've seen in you. It's time to solidify what I've said about you to these men who are gonna come before me to get you ready, to make sure this is ready when I arrive. And then in chapter nine, verse one, it says, Now, it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. So uh, the the people here, the, the Church of Corinth here, they had already demonstrated A year ago, a a readiness, a willingness, a zeal, it says, for this initiative to give to the church at Jerusalem. Uh, He says, and and, and not only uh, is, is Paul highlighting that, but he's saying, like, that has been, you have been an example you, you have been an incentive for these other churches to look to, to be inspired by. Uh, when he says, Achaia, where is that? That is uh, uh, the province in southern Greece where Corinth is located. So he's talking about them. And he's saying, you inspired the work of grace that happened in these Macedonian churches. If you've been hanging with us for a couple weeks, the Macedonian churches were churches that were poor, facing extreme uh, opposition and and some kind of affliction that it doesn't even mention. But it says, out of that, this movement of grace through their generosity happened. And Paul is saying, they were inspired by you. They heard about you. You guys, uh, one of the things that's so powerful is... When we get to hear about other uh, Jesus followers who are, man, standing in the gap, they are by faith committing to the Lord, uh, taking steps, like putting their lives on the line, it is so inspiring, isn't it? Like when I hear those stories, I'm like, man, God, move in me. Do something greater. Like God, challenge me. Take me to that place. Now that's a very (laughs) dangerous prayer uh, to pray. It's like, God, increase my faith. (laughs) Um, But... We're inspired by that when we see other churches and, and, and churches just being used by God to do incredible things around the country and around the world. It inspires us as a church. Uh it was it was really neat this last week. Uh myself and some of our leaders were uh up in Portland visiting some churches that have gone through uh similar processes like this, and we're trying to get wisdom uh as as from from them as to what they would do or do differently. And it was so cool as we're sharing what God is doing here. and and what God has done and and taken our church through to be at this point, and the door that God has opened. And they were excited for us. They were just like, this is so awesome. Like, man, this is so cool. Like, uh, you you know, let us know. I mean, whatever we can do to help you in this. And I'm like, well, you could just write a check. No, 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 Uh, seriously though. But uh, you really want to help. So, uh, but they were so excited by what God was doing here. Inspire them and encourage them to see how God is moving. And that's what God does, you guys. He will take stories, he will take examples, he'll take testimonies uh, to move us uh, in the direction he wants us to move in. And he'll get us to start praying these dangerous prayers, right? Um, because we're moved. And so we see this happening, and Paul is saying, Church at Corinth, you guys led in this. This is exciting. And so now he's saying, hey, uh, validate what I've said. It would be very humbling and humiliating uh, if I've said all these things about you and these guys show up and you're not ready. And I show up to collect and I've got some Macedonians with me and, and they're like, wow, that you guys aren't what we thought. And so Paul's like, they're coming to get this ready and validate the love that I know you have. Validate the readiness. Be ready and willing. Have that attitude that I've seen. And, and one of the things he says there, uh, that's, that's important for us at the end there of verse five is he says, he says, listen, so that it may be ready as a willing gift not as an exaction. Now, what is he meaning by that? He says, I want this to reflect the heart that I've seen in you, he says, what I don't want it to become, which it could be, especially if you uh, allow whatever it is right now, because there were a lot of people trying to defame uh, and, and, uh, and talk down to Paul about Paul in Corinth and discredit him. And, and, and so he's like, listen, uh, you are in danger of, of having this mindset of I'll give, but what am I going to get in return if I give? And so Paul is trying to guard it. He says, no, no, get to that willing place with your heart. Guard yourself from having this mindset of I'll give if you do this. What benefit is it to me if I give to that? That's that's a struggle and a heart thing that we battle, isn't it? Right? If I give to that, what, what are you going to do for me? What is that going to do for my family? Right? Even as we talk about like, like a, a building for, for our church, like, okay, well, what, what is that going to do for me? How is that going to serve me, my vision, my plan, right? So we can easily get caught up in, I'll give if, and Paul is saying, get that away from you. Like that's not uh, what, what, what propelled you. That was not what was so inspiring. What was inspiring was how the Lord had already worked in your heart and it was pure and it was true and it reflected a love for the cause. And then he says this in verse six. He says, the point is this, and you guys, these verses here are gold, all right? You should double tap, underline, save, listen to again, all right? In verse six, it says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. As it is written, it says, he is distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Oh. That is so good. And yet there's some pieces here that people have taken and just turned a little bit. He says, whoever sows sparingly, that's how he kind of, he says, whoever sows sparingly is going to reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And and this is a simple, very self-evident harvest principle that we see throughout scripture that Paul is utilizing when it comes to Christian giving here. He's saying uh, that the harvest is directly proportionate to the amount of seed that's sown, okay? Uh, we see similar uh, analogies in Proverbs eleven twenty four, 24, where it says, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. And then Jesus in Luke six thirty eight said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. Now, now the, 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 the derived word from, from the Greek for that word bountiful that, that we've been looking at here uh, is actually the word for blessing. And so when, uh, when a believer gives uh, by faith and trust in the Lord with a desire to produce the greatest possible blessing that person will receive the kind of harvest of blessing that Paul is talking about. You guys, this is a promise. Now, uh, we we shy away from this. We shy away from reading some of these verses because I've heard some of these same verses be used to communicate this prosperity gospel message, right? Uh, Which is essentially this health and wealth message. If, if, If you do this God is going to do that for you, right? So it's motivated by the fact that I can earn or produce God moving. I can essentially get him to respond how I need him to, to build up my bank account. Sounds nice. Or like effectively heal whatever I feel is broken. And so these same verses will be used by people to, to manipulate others into like giving, right? To to say, well, you should be giving. And if you give, God is going to financially increase everything in your life. And, it, and people are like, sign me up. Right? And, and, and so, uh, we, we, what happens is we tend to then shy away, uh, because we've heard some of those messages and they've left a distaste, uh, in our, uh, mouth. But you guys, I think one of the things that is important is could there be a material financial blessing for giving? I'm not saying yes. (laughs) There could be, couldn't there? There could be. Because God can do whatever He wants. Right. If out of that generosity, he's like, you know, what I want to bless you with more. He can totally bless you uh, with more. He can totally heal you if he wants uh, to do that. He can do any of those uh, things uh, at a moment's uh, notice. But but what I think we really need to touch on here is the spiritual component, right? The eternal component that he continues to communicate uh, throughout these uh, verses. Because what he could what could the blessing be right now? The blessing right now could be something spiritual that absolutely blows your mind. There are spiritual needs and things that, that, that we have that, that some of us don't even know about. And the blessing may be God spiritually intervening in those. He, he may be uh, blessing uh, us spiritually uh, in our families, in, in our own lives, in our own hearts. Um, and, and, and it could be something incredible that you experience spiritually today. He could use it to, we could see someone come to know the Lord today. Uh, someone respond, someone whose life changes and, and is transformed. He could totally uh, bless uh, us in that way. But it also could be a later component, couldn't it? The blessing of the Lord may be something that you don't even see. Right? The blessing of the Lord uh, that he may want to bless as as I respond in obedience to him, his blessing may be may have nothing to do with like me personally. It may be about one of my kids. It may be uh, about my wife. It may be about a family member that's disconnected. It may be uh, about a coworker. It it may be uh, about a teammate, a coach. It could be absolutely anything that he could be using this moment to bless someone else in. And it may not even be about today. It could be about tomorrow. It could be about the future, huh? Like, like how I respond today to him could have a dramatic impact on a grandson that I may have, right? It could have a dramatic impact on ecclesia 30 years from now where more than likely it ain't going to be me pastoring, right? Just doing the math. So I don't think, I mean, if he wants me to, you know, I'll do it, but I don't know. So anyway, I, we have no idea the reach But we know this God can bless us however He wants to, and it's always attached to eternity. There's always an eternal component. And so there's incredible peace that we can have, Uh, but once again, we kind of avoid this subject, because we don't want to be labeled in this, like, camp of, like, I don't want to just, like, preach this message where if you just do this, God's going to bless you, but guys, we also can't ignore that that's real. We should not stop asking for God to bless us. We should not, like, go, God, don't bless me. God, don't bless the work. Don't bless the gift, right? Because he invites us to that and he promises that. And he also says, you should look forward to it. It should inspire you. Uh, in, in Hebrews eleven six, 6, a verse that we've been highlighting where it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. But the second half, listen to what it says. It says, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. He says, that should be a foundational belief, a driver for you. Uh, Romans 8.32, my goodness is this powerful. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Isn't that amazing? You read that and guys, he wants to bless you. He wants to bless your life. It's so cool because I've read, we have these boards up and some of them are over there, but these boards uh, that many of you wrote uh, at our advanced commitment night and you, you were on location at the building. We're prayer walking around and, and just praying and then writing down these requests. And, and it's amazing, I, I've been reading these and, and, and nobody, nobody wrote like, by giving, I can't wait to see what God gives me. Like, it's not there. Nobody wrote it, Okay. Uh, and, and, and so what, the, what these boards were consumed by is how they want to see God bless that space. How they want to see God uh, use and work uh, in this to reach friends, family, coworkers, this community. Uh, and, and, and so you guys, what was so encouraging is to actually look at what you guys wrote down as the blessings and to see what drives you. It wasn't like, God, if we do this, uh, you need to do that. No, it was just, God, I want to go to you because I know you need to bless it. And, and Lord, you're going to bless this. And God, this is how I ask that you would move and work. And, and so Paul then says, not giving to this reluctantly or under compulsion, but from the heart. And then he says, God loves a cheerful giver. See, if I'm giving from God working in my heart, even though it might be difficult, even though it it, it might be by faith, there's a joy because my joy is connected to the Father's joy. Right? Like, guys, I'll I'll be the first to tell you, you shouldn't give just because, oh, you're supposed to. You shouldn't give because you just feel like you're under compulsion or or like you shouldn't give reluctantly or grudgingly like, Oh, other people did it, it's on my chair. There you go. Good luck, Ecclesia. Like like no. You shouldn't give because it's it's demanded. We can be very generous in a legalistic way, can't we? Over and over, scripture tells us how we're to give when the Lord leads us into giving. Deuteronomy fifteen ten it says, you shall give to him freely and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him because for this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. And so we're called to give in response to what God's doing in our heart. And if God's working in my heart, even if it's convicting or challenging like it usually is i'm saying it always is there's joy connected to it because i get to bring him glory in it i get to demonstrate that my that my relationship with him is is genuine i get to demonstrate that i really do trust him because my joy cannot be connected to any of you measuring up or doing something for me in return my joy has to be connected to jesus you guys when, when when we give i think that's that's one of the things that's that's so important and as i've been going on this journey as well uh you know one of the things that that i've i've, I've had to just continue to remind myself is it's not about them god it's not about a person. It's it's not about you doing what I hope you do or what this becomes. Uh, I need to give out of what you're calling me to in my heart, and it's gotta be in alignment with yours, and it's gotta be because of you and for you. It cannot be attached to these other people. And so to be honest, I've had to like remove all of you from the picture as I've gone to the Lord and just said, God, uh, what is it? What does this look like? I want my joy to be connected to you. It should not be attached to anything else. You guys, we too often attach our joy to so many other things outside of God, don't we? And that's why our joy is fleeting. That's why it's continually up and down uh, in all of those things, right? Like uh, I went to three soccer games Friday night and, 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 it, and it was like, literally, if my joy was connected to the score, I would have been extremely depressed. Like it didn't go well. Okay, and, and 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 so often our joy, we just connect and attach to all these things. And God is like, you're not going to have the heart posture that I want you to have as you engage with me. And you're going to miss out on the ultimate joy because you keep uh, attaching your joy to things that have no business having it. Bring it to me and watch as even in this act of generosity and giving that I may move in your heart and you are going to be excited, you're going to be willing, and it's going to come from your heart. And he says, I'm going to bless you in this. I'm going to bless what happens through your obedience. He says in verse 8, I'm going to supply the generous giver with enough to meet their own needs and enough to give to every good deed. He says, you're gonna have all sufficiency uh, so that you can abound in whatever it is that he's going to call you to. And and the word that he uses for grace here, it's synonymous for resources. In other words, he is going to supply uh, you with whatever resources are necessary in order to pull off whatever he's calling you to do. He's got it right? Uh, and, and, and what's so encouraging about that for me is, is I think uh, throughout this process, I'm just feeling this like weight. And, and even last night, you know, and I don't get really nervous uh, very often. Last night, I was just like nervous. And, and, and then this morning, I just woke up. I didn't just wake up, but I woke up this morning and, and it was just this peace. And it was just reminder where God's like, Steve, I I am in complete control. And whatever I call you to do or lead you to lead, I've already got it covered. And so whatever happens, don't you dare let that be attached to your joy today. You find your joy in me. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm big enough. And it was like, excited, excited for God to just be God. Amen? And so you guys, one of the encouraging things is so often we operate in these what ifs. And God says, stop with the what ifs if I call you, if I lead you, if I lead your family, if I lead this church into absolutely anything, I own all of the resources and I can uh, make them available for whatever it is that I'll call you to do. And, and I'm not gonna leave you out to dry. That's gonna be a lifetime thing. As you, as you pursue me and follow me, I will continue to come through and to provide whatever is necessary to do and accomplish whatever it is that I would call you to do. And, and, and then in verse nine, uh, Paul quotes from Psalm One twelve verse 9 and he just describes this man who's been generous in the sowing of a seed uh and 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 he talks about how his righteousness or these acts of giving are going to bring rewards not only in this life but uh, but the but the one that's to come in other words highlighting again the eternal ramifications for this that it's eternity and then in verse 10, he talks about how the generous giver will be given increasing means not only to give, but then increasing fruit. You guys, I love this. And he's pulling from Isaiah 55 here. You guys, um, we worship a God who can multiply the seed. In other words, uh, sometimes I can say, well, God, it's just me. You know, and, and I can do that not only with what I give, uh, but, but when it comes to my, my skills, my giftings, uh, you know, what I, what I think I can accomplish, all those things I, I so often bring to the table of, well, God, I, you're going to have to do something because I can't do that. And over and over in scripture, he gives us examples of not impressive people on paper, right? He actually highlights the weaknesses of these people, And what he shows us is, I'm just asking for you to come and to make yourself available for me to use what I need to use. And whatever you come to me and submit to me, I am fully capable of multiplying. And we see that all throughout, right? This little boy, Jesus is like, hey, you see those thousands of people, disciples feed them. And they're like, yeah, no. And, you know, and, and then they bring this little boy, like, here, Jesus, ha, ha He's got his, like, you know, build a lunch. Here you go. Like, what are you going to do with it? But here's a child, brought his lunch. And Jesus multiplies it in such a way that he says, hey, pick it up. How many are left? And each one of them has a full basket. And he's telling his disciples there, more than anything, whatever I'm going to call you guys to do, whatever it may be, and however impossible it may seem, And how ill-equipped you may be to accomplish it. And you may not even see any way for it to physically be accomplished. You trust in me. I can multiply whatever I need to multiply. And so you guys, uh, sometimes we can be our own worst critic. Sometimes we can uh, throw out all the excuses of why God shouldn't use us. And God over and over again gives us examples of why you are exactly who he's looking for and how he can take and multiply, and he will multiply whatever he needs to do. And and not only does that bring greater opportunities into your life, but it also produces greater fruit, greater results. Which is amazing to see. Uh, Hosea uh, chapter ten, verse twelve, it says, "Sow for yourselves righteousness; reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is the t- it is time to seek the Lord, that He may come and rain righteousness upon you." I love that, and, and so the the, the Christian. Uh, who's motivated by grace, they reap this incredible blessing uh, as he continues on and talks about this personal enrichment in their own life and in their own character, but then uh, this enrichment into other people's lives. And Paul says that the final result of this is going to be glory to the Lord. says others are going to give thanks to him because of this. And and so one of the things about, one of the marks of of, of when I'm giving from this posture of grace is it's a giving that doesn't give me credit. It's it's, it's a giving that brings thanksgiving to God. It's a giving that represents that I am just a channel uh, that the Lord has sovereignly chosen to use. And ultimately everything I do and give should point them back to him, right? He should be the hero of whatever giving happens. And then Paul, just like at the end of this, like generosity within the church world, he closes in verse 15 and it's like just sporadic. He's confronted with the ultimate giver, right? And he just says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. That's how he ends it. So what is he saying? He's, he's like, your, your gift of generosity to these people, it's... it's it's going to meet a need, but it is going to be used into the overflowing of praise. It is going to be a cause of thanksgiving to the Lord and worship. It's going to prove, uh, your relationship with the Lord. You're, you're going to give in a way that matches the confession of, of your belief in the gospel of Christ. And so he's like, this, this should excite you. should excite us when God calls us into spiritual submission to him because it gives us an opportunity uh, to acknowledge that my proclamation that I believe in the gospel, it gives me an opportunity to to actually demonstrate that in a very real and tangible way. And and so Paul is saying, this gift is gonna be used uh, uh, to the glory of God. uh, And and, and they're gonna know that you Gentiles who they've been hesitant with uh, and and guarded against, they're gonna know that your faith is real. And, And not only that, they're gonna be praying for you and they're gonna be longing to have communion with you says, so this is going to be an incredible movement of God. And, and then in verse 15, as he's just kind of building up and getting excited and more worked up over what's happening, he says, thanks be to God for this indescribable, inexpressible gift, for his gift. He reaches the end of this section on Christian giving and he's forced to think of the greatest giver of all, God. And the greatest gift of all, Jesus. says, man, I've been talking about giving, I've been this, but man, I gotta go back to the heart of this. You guys, we gotta go back to the heart of this. We gotta go back to our driver. We gotta go back to our why. We cannot allow anything that God may uh, lead us into that we're working through or, or, or maybe struggling with. We cannot allow that to distract us from the heart, which is the greatest giver of all, God. The greatest gift. Jesus. Over and over again we we're, we're reminded, right? John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Uh, he loved us so much that he that he gave. Uh, Romans 8:32 what did it is said? How will he not also with him graciously give us all things, right? Because why? Because uh, he did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, for all of us. So so Paul is absolutely confronted with the reality that that we uh, have to first and foremost, remember Christ as the greatest of all. Gave himself for us. And the greatest response ever that we could give is to fully give him ourselves. And so Paul in this section, he is highlighting how to, to walk in this incredible experience, in, in this incredible relationship with the Lord. And he says, listen, uh, it, it is amazing. And you need to continue to go back to the source, to the one who is the giver. But I'm gonna tell you right now how you experience that on a daily level and, and why I'm inviting you in to this because the way uh, that, that that you experience that, the way that, that causes you to walk in a posture where you are inspired and moved and overwhelmed by the love of God in your own life and the blessings and what he does eternally in and through your life, it comes from him loving you so much that he invites you to be a part of his perfect plan. Like like God who is perfect, me who is, is flawed, who has history, who has a past, who has drama, who has all these kinds of issues. And and, and literally, as Paul has talked about, the sin that so easily entangles us, I'm aware of those inadequacies in my own life. And and, and when we get to walk in obedience with the Lord and really experience him uh, and how he's meant to be experienced with us in communion together, Paul is saying, uh, you have to remember and remind yourself it's when he invites us into his perfect plan. It's when a perfect and holy and sovereign God says, hey, I have this incredible plan and I want to involve you in it. I want you to be a part of this. Paul's like, there is no greater good. Outside of your salvation, that is the best. And you guys, what's so amazing about that? It's not like God needs us, right? Right? Like, it's not like God's been like, man, where do I get a Steve for Ecclesia? That's what they need. Like, and if he's not there, oh, like I can't do it. Like, he's never needed me. He's never needed me to pull. In fact, in, in Psalm 50, right, verse 10, for every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world and its fullness are mine. Case closed right? He doesn't need me. And yet out of his love, he invites me in and he says, you are going to be blown away as I allow you to be a part of my perfect plan. You guys, we are eternally blessed and he uses us to eternally bless and to reach others. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to respond to that as a church and we're going to make by faith commitments to this. And we're gonna, for, for, for many of us, we're gonna trust to a degree that we haven't before. And we know that he's going to bless us eternally more than we could ever imagine through this. And we do this, we do this willingly, cheerfully, joy joylessly, because he loved us so much that he's invited us into what he's doing here. He is worthy of my first and my best. And so just as as Paul is telling them, others that are rallied around the cause, I wanna show you a quick video uh, before I finish our time. I wanna show you a quick video of uh, Advanced Commitment Night so you can just see the other people that God has already moved and worked in their hearts to unite them around this. So just watch this really quick. So we're just uh, excited to be here tonight uh, with the Ecclesia family. We've been at Ecclesia for about a year and a half, and uh, God's just doing amazing things, and we're just excited to be a part of that. The new building is great being here tonight, just walking around, praying over that, and seeing so many people uh, investing their relationship with the Lord here. Well, what's your very favorite thing about her? Like this. My very favorite thing is that um, we get to worship Jesus, and we our friends are here. I'm excited to know what it looks like inside, and I'm excited to like see how everything will be set up. I'm just rejoicing. I'm rejoicing that we're going to have a place for the name of the Lord where we can 24 seven be. Uh, doing His work, and uh, what a blessing that's going to be for this community and what a blessing it's going to be for us, for His church. We just need to stand in faith. God will do the work to the praise of His glory. I'm just um, super blessed to be a child of God and super thankful that He never gives up on me and I'll always continue to grow. So my wife and I have been coming here since 2009. And we came here um, looking for a church that preached the word and that had this solid foundation in Jesus. And when we came, uh, that's exactly what we found. And we just never wanted to leave. And we could just tell that God was doing something really cool at this church. We've just seen God move uh, in awesome and miraculous ways. And we're so excited to see what he's gonna to continue to do uh, in the next coming years. And with this building, it could be this huge blessing and, and we're, we're very excited to be a part of it. And this is absolutely uh, God's plan to move this direction and move forward in this way with a new building. But it has to be, in my heart, uh, sacrificial. It's been great coming to this church after the last 10 years, coming here, enjoying it. And now I've brought both my oldest Owen and my youngest Beau here. And uh, they've come to have a heart for Jesus. And it's just been wonderful to experience that as a dad and uh, just to see them grow and constantly want to pray for people and just tell me what they learned in Sunday school. It's been wonderful just coming out of church and just, just seeing how much this church has done for me and my family, Lord and uh, we're just we're so happy to be in this church and grateful to be here we're so excited for the new building well obviously it's exciting that we're going to have a building but um you know going through the whole thing you know with steve teaching on faith obviously it's important for us to trust god for giving for the building but i think as steve's been saying you know giving ourselves fully to him you know, and that includes not just our money, but everything. So, just really thinking through the next year and looking for, you know, what maybe what are some new things that God wants me to step out in faith to do? To look for things that are bigger, that things that are more of a stretch that I haven't considered before. As I was putting my shirt on tonight, I just got really overwhelmed with how big and cool God is because. About 20 years ago, sitting at my uncle's dining room table in El Cajon, California, I met this young surfer dude named Wesley Town and his wife Kara, and he says, I'm going to move to Eugene, Oregon someday, and I'm going to start a church and call it Ecclesia. And we just moved back here two years ago and decided to come to this church. And as I'm putting on my shirt tonight and realizing 20 years ago, God knew that I would be here and that I could be part of this next chapter of Ecclesia. And I'm just blown away by how big God is and just how cool He is. We want to thank you for listening today. Our church just turned in a whole bunch of commitment cards and it was an incredible, incredible day. I want to encourage you if you're listening and you feel led to give to be a part of this incredible by faith generosity initiative, go to our website, ecclescugene.org, and there's a by faith page. Go on that page and you will see a digital card that you can fill out and turn in we also have physical copies at our office and also at our gatherings at cal young middle school and so i want to encourage you to get those turned in if you're planning on that uh, because that's going to help us make wise and informed decisions for the next two years thank you